On this edition of the Ninja Tune podcast, journalist Lauren Martin chats with Travis Stewart, the musician also known as Machine Drum. A view of you, Stewart's new album on Ninja Tune, is his most collaborative to date, featuring a cast that includes Subfocus, Chrome Sparks, Father, Freddie Gibbs, and more. On this episode, Machine Drum talks about the new LP and how it relates to the universe, the infinite, and out-of-body experiences. If you enjoy this episode, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. This is the Ninja Tune podcast. My name's Lauren Martin, and I'm here with the electronic artist Travis Stewart, better known as Machine Drum. Travis, thank you for being with us on the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to talk to you again, Lauren. I know. You're more than welcome. So the occasion for this podcast is a new album on Ninja Tune. Um, it's called A View of You, uh, which is very fun to say out loud, actually. And it's your... Yeah, you should, you should say it multiple times in a row. It's even more fun. <laughs> a view, of you, a view, a view, a view, a view. A view, a view, a view, a view. Um, and it's your ninth studio album to date, which, which might feel quite strange to hear out loud as well. Um, hmm. But before we get into the story of the album necessarily and all the different players within it, um, let's start with a loaded question. How are you? <laughs> well, I appreciate you asking. Uh, <laughs> considering everything that's going on in the world, <laughs> I'm actually doing the best I've ever been. Um, I feel like I've been on a journey in the past couple of years trying to become more aware of certain thought patterns and behaviors and um, things like that that um, have been kind of holding me back and have been going at them um, and, and, and trying to figure out like where they come from and doing a lot of um, cognitive behavioral kind of techniques um, that are uh, integrated into meditation that have actually uh, been causing quite big changes in my life and caused me to be uh, a lot more present, a lot more um, uh, focused and aware and um, just, yeah, just very connected to the present moment. Um, whereas I think in the past, my head has been very stuck in the past or very um, anxious about the future. And um, I'm just so thankful that I was kind of already going through this sort of transformation before um, everything went down in the world. So what um, what spurred on this transformation for you? Did Was there something in particular that happened or? Um, there was definitely several events that came together. Nothing huge. Um, I'm very fortunate because a lot of people go through these similar kind of changes whenever a huge traumatic event has happened to them or something like that. But for me, it was more just me recognizing certain relationships breaking down or, um, you know, a, a big one was uh, just how I, I was noticing communication breakdowns between me and my wife and how um, I was being a bit too reactionary and I also noticed this in my professional relationships and how I was reacting um, to emails that would come in or any sort of thing that uh, would initially spark some sort of um, discomfort. Uh, I would instantly react to it rather than taking a moment and and thinking about, okay, why do I feel this way? What where is this anger coming from? Is it them or is it just that I'm frustrated about like my day or, and, and just having that kind of awareness has changed everything. I mean, I, even the way I interact with people on social media has completely changed. I used to get very triggered by uh, criticisms or random trolling or what have you. And I've noticed just in, in me changing this behavior I'm not even receiving those that same kind of trolling attention anymore because maybe people thought that I was an easy target as I made myself that way. And um, yeah, so there's just all, all kinds of little micro events that were happening that as I 
started to really think about it, I, I just noticed that they were holding me back and, and um, not allowing me to grow as much as I could, not only as a person, but also as an artist. Mm. Mm. You, um, you strike me as quite a, a spiritual person. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on your definition of spiritual. I, I think for me, it means uh, getting more connected with a deeper purpose and um, yeah, just that general building of self-awareness and becoming more connected to uh, a universal consciousness uh, where you start to realize how everyone and everything is connected as opposed to being so separated all the time. So in that way, yes, I'm definitely becoming more spiritual. And <laughs> mm. I suppose also, I mean, you're from North Carolina, but you, you live in California. Um, and obviously this year has massively stunted, not just electronic artists, but anybody who made a life on the road really um, has completely grinded to a halt. Um, how have you found being in one place for a considerable amount of time as opposed to always being touring and thinking just about the next show and, and how you're going to manage that? Yeah, it's it's interesting because um, I, I've all well, I maybe I don't think of myself this way anymore, but before my career started taking off a bit more and I started touring and, um, you know, um, just staying busier altogether and having to communicate with more people, I really considered myself more of an introvert. Um, and so I found comfort in staying in one place and comfort in doing my own thing, not even collaborating and just just staying on my own and, 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 and creating music at home and not really having to interact with people that much. And so I had to learn how to become an extrovert as a necessity in my career because it was something that I realized I needed to change in order for my career to grow. And um, so really this time has come, uh, seemed very comfortable to me in a way that um, it's not very unfamiliar as well as the fact that I had more or less made plans this year to uh, take it easy on the touring and focus on some studio projects such as finishing the album, uh, doing some remixes, producing for uh, different artists, as well as uh, starting my first uh, jump into scoring, uh, which took up most of my summer. Um, I was scoring a German TV show that should be airing in the coming months. But um, so, yeah, just to, to sum it up, it, I've gone from being an introvert into learning how to become an extrovert back into my uh, comfort zone of being an introvert for the past however many months, six months, is it? Seven months? Jesus. I know. We completely bypassed um, an entire year almost quite quickly, it seems. Um, yeah, and that's and that's not to say that I I don't miss touring or you know that that there's I'm I'm missing that out of my life. Um, I mean I I definitely miss that the the joy that I found in learning how to be an extrovert and to bring more people into my life and to collaborate in the studio with people. I mean that has been a big change is um, the the lack of collaborations um, just before. Um, the pandemic had began, I had spent the previous year or two opening up to collaborating in studio sessions with artists I had never met before. Um, and the first time I would meet them was them coming into my studio or me going to a different studio and us working together, which was really a big achievement for me uh, coming from that introverted background. And just as I started to get very comfortable with that um you know all the all the sessions stopped all the all the touring stopped mm. all the um meeting new people became uh you know a no-no well uh, tell us what your your home routine as 
um, an introvert in this really strange year has been like. Are you a morning person who drinks tea and goes hiking before they sit down in front of their machines? Like, what's like the flow of how you've been working? I mean, I wish I could say that there was a strict daily routine. It is forever flowing. Uh, some months are are more rigid than others. Uh, but on a good month, <laughs> I would say that, yes, I'm a morning person. Um, this has to do with several things I've had to relearn. Uh, moving to the West Coast, uh, you know, being born on the East Coast and, and, and living most of my life, life on the East Coast and even spending some time in Berlin, I found that I was definitely more of a night person. Uh, I got most of my creative work done at night. And uh, during the day, um, uh, well, I should just say that everything changed when I moved to the West Coast when I started uh, having to do most of my business interactions and, and communication uh, early in the day as everything starts to sh shut down in the rest of the world as, as my day was just getting started. So that was definitely a change. And also my wife has forever been a morning person. So there's been a gradual transition in that just so that we can have more time together in general. Um, so uh, I, on a perfect day, I would say I would wake up, wake up in the morning. As soon as I brush my teeth, I go straight into meditation. I spend at least 30 minutes meditating. Uh, I have a uh, I have a guided meditation that I've learned and, and more or less memorized and uh, have made my own version of based on a few different guided meditations that I used to uh, used to do. Uh, and so I do that and it really sets me up for the day uh, just with a positive mentality, uh, uh, ve very excited, very feeling very abundant feeling ready to take on whatever comes to me and um yeah then i spend the next couple of hours um I, I try to go outside and you know have a coffee with my wife and catch up with her and kind of talk about our day or just, you know see, see whatever happens and then i'll go straight into emails doing all the communication bits and then as soon as all of that starts to fade, I go into the studio um, and begin working and playing. Uh, and there's something nice about it um, that's very different than I've experienced before, where I guess it's similar to when I would work at night, let's say in Berlin, where when I lived there and I would work all through the night and go to bed at like five in the morning, um, I, I had this sense of peace at that late at night where no one no one was trying to get at me no no one was like seeking my attention I wasn't distracted trying to like seek others attention and I found this peace and this um, clear headspace that I could could work on things and I found a similar kind of thing working during the day maybe mid-afternoon uh, where, the rest of the world has kind of checked out. They're doing their own thing. And in that same way, I feel like I have the space to get creative. And it's quite nice being able to um, fin finish up my work at a normal hour, have a dinner, uh, watch some TV with my wife and go to bed at a normal time. It's it's pretty radically different from mo most of my life, e even back into my childhood. Like I was a night person. So um, it's it's a welcome change. It sounds lovely, actually. Maybe I should start making music in the middle of the day just to pick it <laughs> up nicely. Um, so I suppose then one of the things that might have changed in, in recent months is that obviously if you're not going to a studio to collaborate with others you don't have this um more more high-tech surrounding perhaps uh has your like setup for making music had to change or have you kind of always had a similar routine I know a lot of artists have had to um like make some big changes in the past year in order to keep working like have you had to do anything like that 
not really. If anything, I've I've definitely made some upgrades to my studio um, that were well needed, whether or not um, we were going into lockdown or not. These were things such as upgrading from a crappy Ikea desk to a proper studio desk with um, uh, with rack mount spaces and um, like a keyboard tray and, and all of that and um, to buying new gear and patch bays and, and really expanding my studio setup. But it wasn't really done out of uh, necessity as far as um, conditions changing uh, but more so just out of something that I've been wanting to do anyway for a while. And as I was saying earlier, um, as far as collaborations are concerned, I had already gotten used to collaborating remotely before. Um, that's how I did most of my collaborations, uh, apart from maybe working with Jimmy Edgar or Praveen Sharma uh, on Sepulchre. Um, like, for example, the Don Richard album, uh, Redemption, that I produced most of. We did that completely remotely, even though we lived in the same city. Um, she would send me the vocals, and she had a really good vocal setup and, and was working with a great uh, vocal engineer at the time. And so we just found that that workflow worked out for us. It worked out for us anyway. So I started developing that kind of relationship with a lot of the artists that I work with anyway, where uh, we just found it easier to to work remotely. But I uh, again, I, I did start to recognize the benefits of working in person with someone, especially newer artists that you haven't established that trust with. Um, and so that that has been a bit difficult and i haven't exactly figured out how to navigate that apart from just trying to uh, establish a decent line of communication through emails and maybe doing some face chats here and there where we can you know get to know each other because that's what i would do in a normal studio session situation usually the first hour to two hours of a session with a new artist is mostly conversation and getting to know each other so that we can find that common ground and, and, and flow of, of, of communication and connection, uh, which I think is really important in a um, studio session uh, or just a collaboration in general. Mm, absolutely. Um, so let's get into the new album then. Um, and let's create a little timeline here for the listener. Um, when did you start to think about what would become a view of you? Like, are you the kind of person who even decides, I'm going to write an album this month? Like, how did that start for you? Yeah, I would compare the way this album came together in a very similar way to Vapor City. Um, Vapor City was was not a conscious effort as far as coming up with a concept, executing it, um, writing the music, and um, making sure it all fell in line with this same sort of concept, and then uh, releasing it. Um, that was more so the vibe of human energy, where I decided, okay, I'm going to give myself three months I, I have this general idea of uh, sonically what it's going to sound like, thematically what it's going to sound like. Uh, but yeah, for Vapor City and for A View of You, I found myself sitting on hundreds of tracks and no idea what to do with all of them. Mm. And yeah, so it was it was more or less a combination of working alongside... Um, the great A&Rs at Ninja Tune, as well as um, just finding a, a new appreciation for a lot of my older work on my own um, to figure out which songs were the strongest out of this pretty immense body of work uh, mm -hmm. spanning nearly eight years. I mean, the oldest track on the album 
uh, was made in 2012, uh, uh, Year Too Young, um, uh, which is the last track on the album. And uh, yeah, and, and that sparked this theme of like the, the even the, the title of View of You has to do with separating the subjective perspective of your music when uh and and switching into finding a way to switch to a more objective perspective when considering a body of work and listening to it in a different way listening to it as if it's the first time you're listening to it and finding different ways to to do that and um yeah so that that's more or less how the album came together I was actually going to ask in the album title, like, who is you? Like, is the album addressed to yourself or someone else or, you know, a moment within like the performance or the writing of music where there's like some clarity, but that's really interesting. I would not, having listened to the album, thought that all of those tracks could have been made in such like a, like a vast period of time. That's actually quite surprised me. Um, which I suppose speaks quite highly of the album in that it doesn't sound um, like an old scrapbook. You know, there's, right. a, there's, a, lot of, um, there's a lot of continuity there. Um, so I'm actually really surprised um, that it's, it's, been, it's been years between tracks. Um, I suppose then one of the things that really strikes me about the album is that this is, I mean, easily the most number of, of featured artists on a machine drum album yet, right? I mean, eight, you know, eight of the 11 tracks have a collaborator on there with you named. Um, mm. So in the sense then, it's not that you sat down to write a view of you with like a hit list of artists that you've always wanted to work with and it all came together for one record. This is like maybe like your favorite collaborations over the years. Is that how you would describe it? Um, I wouldn't necessarily describe it that way. Some of the collaborations happened, uh, earlier on, or a lot of them came together last minute, um, where I thought some of the beats deserved, um, a vocalist, uh, you, you know, that they had had space for a, a vocal and, um, so I, in the last few months of uh, the album creation and even mixing process, I was working with a lot of different vocalists, um, trying to create the best thing possible. So it wasn't necessarily that the collaborations happened over those many years, except for, um, you know, some of the producer collabs like uh the track with monopoly and and chrome sparks um those were definitely more of a um a thing uh that happened like in 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 the past that that kind of came together over time but a lot of the vocals came together uh within the past few months of uh, like just up into uh until um the mastering um yeah so tell me about a collaboration that happened on this album that was very new in the making of the album, not something that was happening a while ago. Uh, what's like the freshest one in your mind that you enjoyed working on? Um, I would have to say that would be with a uh, Tigran Hamasian. Um, I've been a huge fan of his for years. I remember hearing his music on. Uh, Giles Peterson's show, uh, maybe about 2015 or 16, and be- becoming instantly obsessed with his music and following him uh, ever since. And um, I think I just blindly reached out, even on Twitter. I, I think um, asking uh, the the gods to to provide me with some form of contact <laughs> with Tigran and uh my my good friend Alfred uh Daedalus um responded and uh put me in touch with um some people that got me in contact with him and it took a few months but we finally were able to set up a session just in the nick of time too um we ended up working uh together in February of this year and uh he came over to my studio uh I played him 
basically the weirdest rhythms that I had, um, like very odd time signature, polyrhythmic kind of beats, because I knew that he would respond well to them just based on everything I've heard from him. And sure enough, he did and instantly started coming up with ideas and improvising on the piano. And a lot of his first takes would end up being amazing. We would just keep that. And I believe it, um, the beat for Sleepy Pietro was probably the third beat that I played him. And we spent the longest time on it. And we're definitely convinced that this was going to be the song that we needed to focus on. And... Uh, yeah, so we had that first session and um, recorded a demo version of it, and I worked on it a bit. Had uh, a friend of mine, Ian Masiak, um, play drums over it and uh, brought it to uh, Tigran's studio uh, late February and um, worked with him in person again and got him to finish up some bits with uh his piano in his studio and uh and, and also he ended up playing some synth parts on it and um, um some various other sounds uh and yeah and i was just so so happy with with the collaboration and and it couldn't have gone better it, it was exactly how i imagined it going down and the, exactly the kind of track I pictured us making together, which was really beautiful. Um, and it was also nice that it wasn't something that was a completely formed idea that he played on top of. It was definitely the, the only thing that was made before we started working together on it was just a loose idea of a beat, like a, a loop. I was playing around with this idea of um, combining a house track with a... Uh, kind of jungle rhythm and playing around with the polyrhythms because the, the tempo stays the same throughout the track, but just depending on which rhythms are playing, your ears perceive it as a house track or a jungle track. Um, so yeah, then at the very last, the very final step, uh, I had a good friend of mine, Miguel, uh, AKA Holly, uh, who's a brilliant producer out of Portugal. Um, he ended up doing a lot of work on my album, on maybe four or five of the tracks, uh, where I had him come in and, uh, well, when I say had him come in, I sent him the stems and um, he did some work on it and sent me back brilliant sound design, re really creative transitions and some uh, different things like that, um, which is the first time I've, I've worked with someone in that capacity. and. Mm. Really, overall, um, it's something that I've been wanting to do for Machine Drum uh, for a long time was it's to build a more of a team effort um, when it comes to creating an album and being less self-reliant and more opening up to other people's talents that things that, yes, I could probably do on my own, but... I know other people that are super skilled at it and that could um, take my music to a whole other level in this collaborative forum. And I think the way that I approach doing that with this album is setting the standard for all the future Machine Drum albums. I, I think the teams are going to get bigger. Um, you know, I'll, I'll probably... I, I, I mixed uh, the whole album myself, but... I feel like, especially when it comes to vocalists, it's it, it's something that I'm I'm trying to improve my skills at in the same way that I'm improving my skills with sound design and, and all of that. But sometimes just reaching out to someone who that's their passion and, and that's what they love doing to, and having them collaborate with you in that way just not only saves time, but it just ends up making the, the best product and, and, and be best result um, as you can. I hate to refer to my music as product, but mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it, it really creates the best result and, and that's the ultimate goal, right? To, to make the best song possible and to realize your weaknesses and your strengths and reach out to people that could help 
you know bring everything together in, in the best way possible yeah that actually really um that actually really confirms a few things for me that i've been thinking about contemporary electronic music um that's made in this way where when you look at the history of like truly fantastic songs you know no funk band ever had was ever a one-man band you know if you were like an amazing guitar player you'd still seek out the best bassist and the best trombone player um the best mm. pianist and you'd all go i want that guy like i want that woman she's great you know so like and electronic music has often been this very individualistic um mm -hmm. exercise either you know somebody will be like the best known producer or dj within a crew like a metal mm. heads or an underground resistance um or it would be something very almost quite lonely um and quite a lot expected of one person um so it's interesting to hear you say that you've essentially been like gradually doing away with that and working in almost a slightly more of a band mentality yeah and you know i'm inspired by artists like diplo and um you know, even DJ Khaled to a certain degree yes. that have these immense teams that work with them. Mm. And, and at, at first look, you know, maybe the, the uninformed would see that and, and look and think of like ghost producers or whatever as sort of a sham or, you know, you, it's very easy and narrow minded to, to think of it like that. Whereas the way I look at it is, those teams wouldn't have come together and that sound wouldn't have come together without that one person man manning the ship and, and leading the way um, and and guiding the whole project uh, from definitely an executive producer role. But, you know, that, that's not to say that, you know, people like Diplo and Khaled don't wouldn't be able to work their way around producing a track on their own absolutely they would and 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 the same goes for me and, and and most other people that are approaching bigger production projects like this I, I think it's important to to reach out and I mean you know all the greatest things uh, even outside of music have, have never come from just one person it's it's always like a group effort a team effort of um, uh, like-minded people that all have the same vision and are uh, guiding towards that together. It's really interesting, actually, that you mentioned this group way of working, and I don't want to imply that this is the reason of why I think it sounds the way it does. But when I think about your most recent past albums, like I see you gravitating towards quite intricate, really high tempo styles of dance music. So Rooms had a really post dubstep and like juke feel to it and then um vapor city was very much the almost um mining footwork and within those styles um even though they were very intricate and high energy um they always took care to emphasize space um you know and chances to breathe um letting the sound unravel around you rather than it necessarily feeling like a full force assault on the floor you know um, and I wonder, on a view of you, among the breaks and the headier patterns that are there, I'm hearing, hearing not just the emphasis of space and breath, but like a real tenderness um, that, I, that comes across. There's like, I almost didn't want to call parts of it like liquid or ambient, but there is like a gentleness to how it sounds. Um, is that something you were quite cognizant of when you were making it, having it how do I um, explore these styles that I've always worked with, but kind of in this slightly glossier, tender kind of framing? I think that has to do with several different things. Um, one of those, that, that tempo-wise, um, going back to the earliest machine drum projects in the late 90s and early 2000s, I was very interested in this connection between hip hop and its double tempo counterpart, jungle and, and drum and bass, and, and finding that connection between both of them. Uh, for sure, the earlier machine drum work was more on the hip hop 
leaning side of things, but I, I often played around with 30 second note patterns, which would end up sounding like 16 note patterns if you heard it in a drum and bass or jungle context. So I've always been interested in that, that relationship of the fast, slow kind of uh, 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 rhythm, um, yeah, just te tempos and, and, and sense of rhythm. Uh, but also, um, as far as the gentleness and tenderness goes, I think that has also a lot to do with my earlier work and um, I think if I grew up in a city such as London or New York, somewhere that had a well-defined club culture, um, I think my music would have been completely different. Uh, my, my music was created in basically as me interpreting what I thought club music would should sound like based on my environment, which was my bedroom and my car and never really getting to experience that live in person and seeing how people interact with it on large sound systems and, and really seeing how effective that can be. So I think I ended up creating music that was very um, home listenable first and then club worthy second. And eventually as I started uh, migrating and moving to different places like New York City and Berlin and uh, Los Angeles and just traveling the world in general and touring more and uh, interacting with DJs and seeing what kind of music they would play and and even just noticing that as I started to get more into DJing and less live performance, I was having a hard time incorporating my own songs into DJ sets because they're they were more on the home listening side than uh, club listening side of things. So I found myself trying to explore that more and definitely living in a place like Berlin and experiencing uh, techno culture and going to clubs like Berghain um, were influencing me in the way of learning to bridge that gap between what I was comfortable with as far as making something that was very easy to listen to on your headphones or in outside of the club context and uh, bridging the gap between that and uh, you know club music and I think club music can often be very bombastic and and in your face and um, can be a full assault and be less about the intricacies and, and calmness uh, that you want to experience at home um, and yeah so it's it's something that I'm I'm aware of after the fact, but not necessarily when I'm creating. When I'm creating, I try to let go of any intentions or any, um, um, yeah, just just awareness of like, okay, uh, is, is this sounding like this? Like, oh, I should probably incorporate this so it sounds more chill or whatever. I, I, I just try to let things be a bit, I try to let my subconscious take over more in that regard. Mm, I actually really like um, that explanation and that way of thinking because so many people, uh, so many artists who work within a higher tempo, more intricate music that's specifically designed for the club um, and have grown up in club culture when it comes to, to writing an album and recording it um, and having it be uh, a single piece of work often might struggle to figure out how to navigate making club music for an album without um, doing an injustice to what makes their music interesting in the first place, which can mm. often be that that sense of assault, that sensory overload. Um, and I think you've managed to avoid that problem by being, you know, historically an album artist that gradually got into club culture uh, from the outside in. So that actually really explains a lot because it feels... Um, I thought to myself, like, how would I do an elevator pitch for this record? And it's like, um, it feels like a hip hop album made by a 
big kid who loves drum and bass but likes listening to drum and bass on a beanbag in their house. Like, That's it. You did it. Can I? Can I? Can I steal that? Yes. It's like <laughs> it's like it's like it's like listening to drum and bass, but like through an open door from the chill out room. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. <laughs> Perfect. I nailed Using it. it. <laughs> and, I, and I have the recording of this, so you know I'll definitely use that in uh, further pre press inquiries. Well, um, I'll just I'll just play your recording back to people that are interviewing. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's perfect. We're getting we're getting quite meta here. Um, yeah. I suppose then, in terms of um, in terms of uh, being involved with uh, club producers like club sounds and stuff. Um, and, and that drum and bass sound. Um, I really like the track um, A Thousand Miles on the album, mm. which features Subfocus, who is a really mm. big name in the world of drum and bass. Um, so tell me about working with him, because that's not working with, you know, um, a really ethereal vocalist or a rapper mm. like Freddie Gibbs or Father. You know, this is someone who is also a producer who probably has a really particular idea of what drum and bass is and should sound like um how how did you work with him uh, i take it you would have been a fan before working on this track together right yeah definitely um yeah so the interesting thing about subfocus and even freddie gibbs and um uh monopoly tegan hamasian a, a majority of the collaborations on the album were with artists that i had never worked with before and um, it was part of me opening up uh, to working with newer artists, whereas every any other collaborations that I'd done in the past on Machine Drum albums specifically were uh, done with artists I was already comfortable with, people I'd known with uh, known for years and already had this trust built with them. So uh, Subfocus is just another example of an artist that I had never met before. I was super familiar and uh, and a fan of their work and uh yeah basically he he had reached out to me he was setting up some sessions in LA um uh he had uh, a studio he was using for the week uh, I believe his last summer of 2019 uh, and uh he invited me to come down we had never met before um and so yeah I, again spent the first hour or so sitting in the little um, kitchen area of the studio, just chatting and talking about music and what we were into, what we were working on, um, talking about life in general, what I liked about LA and, you know, um, all that jazz. And then um, we got to working together and we basically, uh, we, we set up, um, there's, there's this function in Ableton. We were both using Ableton uh, where it's called Ableton Link. And I had just learned about this function from uh, our, our good friend, Phil Jacques Green. Uh, we had uh, collaborated in a studio a couple months prior to this uh, where we use this function. Basically what it does is it allows you to uh, sync up uh, two sessions of Ableton on two different computers without any sort of um, cable connecting them. It's all done over Wi-Fi. It's completely seamless. It's it's pretty incredible. You could actually see me and Jimmy Edgar using this function on our um, boiler room. Um, I forget what the sessions were called, but basically the thing that boiler room does where people send in samples and the producers create live on the fly. Yeah, so... We, we set up Ableton in this way and I was playing around with samples. Uh, we had a loop going. Um, interestingly enough, I was working more on the beat side of things, the, the kind of drum and bass rhythm that was going on. And he was coming up with the melodic aspects and the, uh, the sample that's in the track and, and the, the more textural side of things, the, more even, as you would say, ambient or calming side of, of the track. Like that was more so coming from him. And uh, I had more of the beat going on on my end. And uh, what we ended up doing is uh, at a certain point, um, we felt like we had a good loop going. And uh, I bounced the stems from my end since he was on the big main computer, uh, like, 
studio setup and I just had my laptop going. Uh, I bounced the stems, um, sent it to him in the session and he loaded them up in the main session and we started working from there. And then um, at a certain point, we had a good idea, a good enough idea that we could call it a day. And then we spent the rest of the collaboration um, just sharing a Dropbox folder with the session and going back and forth. And, um, you know, we worked with a couple of different vocalists on the track and I even had Holly uh, come in and do some sound design uh, at the very end. Um, so yeah, I'm super, super happy with the track. It's definitely the most um, straight up drum and bass track I think I've ever done, but also I think it um, has enough of my signature on it that it doesn't stand out in a way that um, it, it sounds like it's out of place. You know what I mean? Exactly. I am. Um, I really like the track, and I definitely think it's um. I, su I suppose in that regard, when you say that, like, what do you, after doing all these collaborations, and now this is your ninth, like, studio album, what do you think your signature really is at this point? If it's so, there's so much going on in terms of genre, mood, um, the different kinds of people that you work with. I mean, it's not like you've just picked a lane and, and, and stuck with it. You know, what would you even say your signature is now? It's really hard to define that with words, you know, it's it's kind of like when when you meet a person and you get to know a person well, it, you could describe them with some words, but you know that that's not really going to do them justice. It's just a person has a vibe, you know, a person has a certain energy to them that you can feel, you know, you can feel when when someone comes into a room and they're super intense and you're just like, oh, that's that's just how they are. They're, they're just a very intense person. But that's a loaded word. Like, you know, maybe that intensity comes from somewhere. Uh, and uh, the same could be said, said about music. You know, I, I think an, a musical personality is very complex and based on multiple influences, whether that's musical or art or um, personal experience. Um, there's, uh, th there's so many things that go into it. So it's really hard to say what that is, but at the same time, I, I could identify a sound as saying like, yes, that, that is very XYZ artist or um, just based on hearing it. And, and I, I could probably break it down if I really thought about it, but that again, wouldn't be doing it justice. I think that would suck the fun out of it a little bit, you know? Yeah. Exactly. Which, which is the, which is the hard part. Cause I understand with, you know, music journalism that that's, the, the biggest challenge, right, is is to be able to communicate with other people about music and more or less um, share uh, the other side, like a, a, a different side to things. Because, you know, w when you're describing music, ultimately you're not doing it justice, but it is always interesting to hear these other sides of it beyond the music. And I think especially this day and age, people want fans want to have that extra um insight in, into the creative process and into what goes into everything and, and why things were made and 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 all of that but at the end of the day the just listening to the music is going to be the the best way to experience it but yeah yeah and also very much in terms of um me asking that sort of question if you want to get meta about it too is that mm. i like there's only so much about the music that i can really understand because i don't make music i don't play instruments i don't use ableton i have a very limited like technological kind of language and understanding of that so i very rarely ask this is very strange to say i very rarely ask about music because i want to know something really hyper specific about a sound I'm really asking because I want to know what kind of person made it and in what conditions did they make it. Um, and it's more about I'm I'm more interested in you, frankly, sometimes mm -hmm. than than some of like the the nuts and bolts of the music you make. But the two the two go back and forth so closely, especially for people who really care about what they do. When they talk about their music, they are talking about themselves. Um, right. So it's a very um, 
yeah, it's a funny little spider web to crawl around in sometimes. Um, mm. I suppose then, now that the album is made, it's all put together, there's artwork, it's a real thing, it's an entity. Um, one of the things I always wonder is once it's finally out in the world and you were perhaps going to perform it live, tour it and, um, you know, at least play it to other people, even if there's not going to be a specific live show. Um, there's going to be pretty limited, like, human reaction to this new album this year, um, at least in, like, you know, the coming immediate months. Um, have you have you thought about that since finishing it, the fact that you might not be able um, to interact with, like, your audience in the same way with this record? Absolutely, and, you know, it's something I've been trying to figure out how to navigate and come up with different ways that get as close as possible to recreating those same kind of experiences, whether that's through interactive live performances. I think maybe the, the closest thing we have going now is our, our platforms like Twitch, where, you know, you have the live chat going and, 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 and seeing people responding in real time to, to whatever you're playing. But it, it, there's obviously you know that human energy <laughs> uh not to use an old album name uh th there is that that aspect missing from it where you can you 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 literally feel it in the room you f you feel that connection you feel like a, a a communication going back and forth between the people that are there and it's so much more visceral um so yeah it's it's definitely something that um I wouldn't say I'm, I'm bummed about. It's just going to be very different, and um, but I'm at the same time I'm looking into different ways to establish a closer connection and communication with my fans, such as setting up a Discord, um, which I've been fascinated with the past couple of months, and just seeing how they work with musicians specifically because more popularly discord has been used for uh video games and so so has twitch as well and i think a lot of musicians have adapted to these kind of things uh, as a means of connecting with their audience um yeah what i what i love about it is th there's there's much more of a real-time interaction going on as opposed to something like twitter where it's more like a message board where uh, I'll check this and respond to it tomorrow. Um, there's there's much more of a live engagement kind of thing going on with those platforms. And it's very interesting to me. And I hope that it can at least um, create more of that sensation of a shared experience than, um, you know, uh, or, or get closer to that shared experience feeling of, of performing and, and interacting with fans after a show and and just really getting to to share that experience together yeah because there's two um there's there's two kind of tandem conversations happening right now within electronic music um and how artists can not only like interact with fans and get feedback on music in the way that they would have ordinarily relied on on dj sets or, or live shows for but also um being able to use platforms to actually create income like to be sustain mm. to be sustainable as a as an artist um and twitch is certainly one discord's another it's been really interesting to uh see electronic artists tap into platforms that are traditionally used for gaming um and other yeah. kinds of like a, a different a totally different kind of online in-person performance and then on the other side of that finding platforms that generate income so you have Bandcamp, which has been really celebrated lately but there's also things like patreon where your fans can uh, subscribe to your work and you commit to a certain amount of of product from that um so that they almost get their money's worth it's like it's not just a way to adapt and just like you know pay your bills or like chat to your fans i'd imagine uh from your side it's almost like you're having to rethink how you put stuff out in the world it's not just that you put out an album on Ninja Tune, there's also all these other considerations that you might have to do different kinds of work in order to generate income online. Have you been thinking about that as well? 
I love it. I, I think we've been in, in need for this change. Um, we've been sticking to the same format for so long that, um, I mean, you could say this for so many things in, in the world right now, but specifically with, with music and how the industry is modeled, um, we've, we've been well overdue for a change. And, and I, I love thinking outside of the box. I love coming up with new ideas of ways to get content and, and music out to the fans um, that makes them feel special and not just part of, you know, a, a campaign clicking through a Spotify link and, and hoping and praying that your metrics are, are good in the end. You know, it's it, it seems like there's uh, a return to, or maybe not even a return, just like a... Um, a, a new world of of creating music and, and content um, uh, that gets a bit more personal and, and, and connected with the fans as opposed to how it's been a bit more disconnected uh, in, in the past, especially with, you know, digit or physical sales um, declining and having that physical piece of, uh, work in your hands to to like really uh, appreciate a different level of of the music um so i think it's 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 great and i'm i'm super excited to explore all these different uh avenues of of connecting with fans and you know i think i've experimented with it before like with vapor city i had a um the vapor city citizen program where it was basically just a glorified email list where people would sign up and get exclusive content every month um, that were based on different um, districts of Vapor City, um, which those districts represented different tracks on the album. And each, uh, all the content was basically would be exclusive remixes from those songs or unreleased uh, tracks that I thought belonged in that same uh, sonic world as they did. And and uh, additionally, bonus artwork, videos, all, all kinds of things like that. And I really had so much fun doing that. And so this is really a, um, not too new for me as far as um, thinking of ways to provide uh, content outside of just a normal album campaign. But the thing that is new is are how all these platforms are providing ways to monetize it, um, which I'm a bit torn on because on one hand, I like I, I've always uh, tried to adhere to this idea of splitting what I put out into the world as like half free and half. Yeah. You're going to have to pay for this because I need to make a living, but I, I like to create that balance. And so it is a bit tricky trying to figure out how to keep that same ethos while recognizing that, okay, well, touring is stopping um, or like severely slowed down. Um, I mean, let's, let's be honest. It's, it's not coming back anytime soon. And uh, we got to figure out different ways to make a living. So, the, yeah, it's it's going to be tricky, but I'm ultimately excited about exploring all these new opportunities. And I'm excited to see what you do next. I've been really enjoying listening to this album lately, as I always enjoy listening to your music. And um, it feels, yeah, even talking to you today now, I feel like you seem in like a really great, um, like, active happy headspace and i'm just really pleased to hear it it sounds like you're better than ever really yeah thanks i mean that's kind of how we began the conversation I like i i really do i i do feel like the best i've ever felt cons considering everything that's going on in the world like it's it, i really do feel blessed to be in this headspace and to um you know also allowing myself to have moments of frustration and grief, you know, I'm, I'm in a good space right now while we're talking, but 
there are moments where I truly do feel my heart breaking seeing everything that's happening in the world and um, I think if I didn't have this newfound love for myself and appreciation for myself that I was lacking before I don't know how I would make it <laughs> just considering how how bleak things are but I I really try to stay positive and, and, and try to um, stay as motivational as possible and, and try to uplift people because that's my main goal with my music is to excite uplift and inspire people and and heal people like the the messages i get sometimes just completely blow me away like where people are telling me about how my music has helped them through this time or even through moments where they were really sick or dying of cancer or it's it, it blows my mind that my music could have that kind of impact on people and it really gives me a sense of purpose that's elevated beyond what I've ever had before and I'm, I'm truly grateful um, to be a musician right now that's um that's really moving and to be honest if we can all just be our own DJ Khaled and like feel <laughs> feel that positive every day in some little way and make other people feel like that too like that's all we really need to do in this world what 100 100 um <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna leave it on that on that very happy uh Khaled adjacent note but um travis <laughs> thank you so much for talking to me um i really hope people enjoy um a view of you um on ninja tune and um yeah man i'm just really happy to talk to you again thank you so much it's been great talking to you as well i, I hope uh all is good with you and yours on your side of the planet